Parent Show, sponsored by Raiden Solicitors, award-winning specialist family lawyers. See raidensolicitors.co.uk. Hello, it's Thursday evening and you are very welcome to The Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. I'm Lydia Elcourie and I'm delighted to welcome you to the show this evening. We have some fantastic local guests speaking to us about some very important and very different topics. First up, we're going to talk to Claire Healy from Raring to Go. So Raring to Go is a fantastic magazine that lands in your children's book bags and basically tells you about everything that's going on in terms of after school activities and clubs and events in the St. Albans and Harpenden area. So delighted to talk to Claire Healy in just a little bit. And on a very, very different and important note, we're going to talk to Debbie Roberts, who's CEO of the Ollie Foundation. And as we all heard in the news lately of the sad passing of Sinead O'Connor's son, it really triggered us at the Parents Show to think about how we can talk to our children about these topics. And of course, the first place we would go to is the Ollie Foundation. So Debbie's going to talk to us specifically about the language in and around suicide and how important it is and guides us parents and carers through this incredibly sensitive topic. But I feel and I think we probably all feel that it's one that we um, need to know how to handle. So stay tuned. We're here from 8 to 9 p.m. and We'll take a short break and we'll be back with Claire Healy. Hello and welcome to the Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. I am Lydia L. Khoury and tonight I'm so delighted to have our regular and probably most most regular guest actually on the Parents Show and that's Claire Healy from Raring to Go. Claire, how are you doing? I'm good, but I think what you're trying to say is oldest regular perhaps because I have been I've been on this show since you started I remember when you started so I think I can claim to be the oldest contributor to the show perhaps yeah I think you're dead right of my longevity yeah it's over 11 years we've been running the parents show and you have been definitely the most fun the most regular <laughs> guest we've had over our decade plus. So it's lovely, lovely to get you back. You know, we talked to you during the pandemic, before the pandemic. Now we're kind of crawling our way out of the pandemic. Let's hope how- so, yes. Yeah, let's hope so. So how are things going? Tell us how raring to go. Well, is- as you say, yeah, I think I think we're starting. I think we might be going a bit further than crawling out. Um, I thought this time last year I was on a crawling out stage thinking really positively and then, of course, everything starts to go wrong. But, um, but I, th- I was thinking out of the last... Raring quarterly, so last March 2020 was the when everything sort of kicked off and we just produced our spring issue. After that, obviously, everything went, and I think I've done about three print magazines out of eight over the last two years, which has been really tough. We've produced digital magazines, but I don't think that's quite the same. I think we've all had a bit of social media overload and screen overload over the last few months so I'm for one very much in favour of producing a a print magazine again I can't wait for people to receive it we've we've 
we did one like in the winter, in the summer, in the autumn. But yeah, I'm so pleased. This spring, it feels really quite positive. I feel that there's there's less restrictions, so clubs and classes can actually take a larger number of of children. I think there'll be a huge demand from parents to to want to get their kids out and about. So I'm I'm hoping that it you know we are we are seeing a real exciting year ahead of us. You know, events might start to go ahead without restrictions. There's always going to be that that sort of COVID thing hanging over us for the next few months, years, perhaps. But I do feel like, you know, things are moving forward, which is so positive. And I feel really excited about the next year. I, I think you you're absolutely right, Claire, you know, in the sense that parents want life back to the way it was we're keen for our kids to get out to be doing stuff again everybody let them do too much screen time over the one lockdown the other lockdown and it was very it has been very hard to claw back that time for me certainly I'm sure other parents feel similarly those who didn't use screens and got their kids on books kudos I am so Mm -hmm. you know but that sadly wasn't what happened in our house so we've actually gone back and I think September, October, it was a bit slow and a bit overwhelming getting back into after school clubs and activities, but that has just gone from strength to strength. And now I think the kids are back doing even more than they were before lockdown. And I think they value their after school clubs more than ever before. I was going to say, do you, do you think they actually want to do more because they don't want to come home and be at home with the screen? They want to see their friends. They want to be interacting. They want to be actually physically doing something that is away from their parents, away from their family, away from their home for a, for a small chunk of time, you know, after school. Totally. But I think I think definitely in my kid's case, get out of the house, do something different. If they have the options of screens, I'm sure I'm sure they'd be picking the screen <laughs> things. But I think they see a value to the after school clubs that maybe wasn't fully there before yeah. the lockdowns happened and all the restrictions came into place. So that's great. I mean, I have to say pre-pandemic, I could never have imagined not having the lovely hardback copy of Raring to Go with all the local clubs and events and everything going into it. But I did move to the online one because if you've got no choice, you do it. Well, exactly. Yes. But I am looking forward to the hard copy coming back again. I think it's an easier flick through. It's one, you know, with a, a magazine you can put down and pick up and turn the page over if you see something interesting, tear the page out, put it on the fridge, you know, colour things in. There's, there's, you know, when we put word searches and things there are things in there to do you don't do those things if it's online you don't even if there are linked uh, adverts going straight to other businesses it it's not the same and it's never felt the same to me call me old-fashioned but unfortunately it hasn't it's just how it is so I'm looking forward to it but in fact I say I, I can't say too many negative things about the digital magazine because we will still be doing that yeah as a support um, and that actually still goes to the schools so the schools are able to then distribute digitally and 
in in the boxes that they come in. So it, it's a you know it is it is a win win. There are people out there who would prefer to see the online one, then it's still there. Um, but I feel excited. I like to see a proper you know a, a paper that I can read through. There's nothing better than you know proper a proper magazine with proper yeah. information. And I think the exciting thing is that yes, we've we've probably lost some clubs and classes. But I think we've also gained some because there are there are people out there who've had to change their career. They've had to change what they're doing and they've reinvented themselves and started different things up and inspired others by what they've been able to achieve. So I think we're probably going to be seeing some new and different clubs opening up gradually as the year goes on to offer different types of activities that perhaps haven't been offered so much and and in a different way so it'll be interesting to see how how everything progresses but it, it is exciting i think it's very very exciting um and so we've got the, the the spring issue comes out in the middle of march which will have all the easter activities in and Excellent. hopefully we're going to be bringing back all the easter egg hunts and they're generally outside anyway so those are brilliant so we'll bring you all of those all the easter activities all the clubs and classes that are going on so it'll be your one-stop shop again but we've also got a new website that's coming out in hopefully in the spring. I'm not sure of the exact date, but uh, that will be coming out, which will be so much more easier to to use than our, our previous um, or our existing website at the moment. It'll make, make it much easier to find weekly events, to find um, activities, to find features, to find a swimming club or whatever it is you're looking for. It'll be a much easier search and I think that'll that'll help people to use the magazine more effectively and to to reach out to some of those clubs that are advertising in there so be exciting we've got loads of stuff loads of features going on in lockdown we created some facebook pages groups sorry so we've got raring to read raring to grow and raring to make going on at the moment so if anybody hasn't signed up they did just just go into facebook and look up raring to grow make or read and you'll find those and we put recommendations of of different activities on there as well. So that was something that I think will continue from the pandemic, really. So in, in in many ways, I guess we've sort of grown in terms of our offering in different ways, as well as having the magazine. That is such yeah. a fantastic addition. I didn't know about that. So raring to read, so yeah. book recommendations, I yes. guess. Oh, yeah. brilliant. It's for parents and children, actually, which is quite a nice, um, nice one. A lot of the parents go on and recommend you know books that they've enjoyed the raring to grow one is something that we've you know we we have everything from sunflowers to to herbs to vegetable gardens to flowers whatever you know people share their their images and their their gardens obviously it's a bit quiet at the moment but we try and feature a different um seasonal suggestion in each magazine so that we've got ideas of what you could be doing in the garden in the spring obviously that's quite a busy time in the garden but we have the winter ones and autumn and then raring to make is creation creation of of whatever so there are lots of ideas of things to um to make on that one so that yeah we just like everyone we thought we just had to diversify a bit so uh yeah so we've created all of those and uh it's, it's been quite fun 
Fantastic. So, so much to look forward to. And that's only what you're, we're almost into February. Um, so not long to wait until we get our, our hard copy of Rare yeah. to go. And it sounds like even more valuable than it has been. Yeah, I hope it will be. I hope it'll be useful to people and I think people will appreciate it. Well, I hope people will appreciate it. We'll see. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. That's brilliant. It's it's always fantastic to speak to you, Claire. And, you know, congrats on weathering the pandemic storm in particularly for one of the areas that have probably been hit the hardest. And uh, oh, it's just brilliant to know that the magazine's coming back in, in even stronger form and, and the website too. Brilliant news. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, no, it's great. And thank you for um, inviting me on. It's always good to, to come on and talk to your, your um, listeners because uh, it's the parents show, isn't it? So you know, they are parents, they're our, yeah. our market, they read the rare to go. So, yeah. So if your school isn't getting the magazine automatically, what can parents do, Claire? You can go on the website, which is raring to go number two, go.co.uk forward slash St. Albans. And if you scroll down on the homepage, you'll find a copy of the digital magazine. Um, you should find it in children's centres. Most primary schools receive it as well. So um, if you don't receive it, you can always get in touch with me and ask me why not. And I'll find out. <laughs> brilliant Claire thanks a million for joining us on the parents show this evening absolute pleasure great to talk to you hello and welcome to the parents show on Radio Varalum 92.6 FM I'm Lydia L. Curry and I am delighted to be joined by one of our regular and incredibly valuable guests that is Debbie Roberts from the Ollie Foundation she's the CEO of that wonderful local charity. And she's joining us on the show tonight to talk about the media coverage and the latest news about the very, very tragic suicide of Shane O'Connor, who is Sinead O'Connor's son. So I'm really pleased to um, have Debbie Roberts, CEO of the Ollie Foundation, joining us on the Parents Show tonight. Debbie, how are you doing? Hello, I'm fine. Thank you so much for, for having me here again. It's uh, it's always lovely to talk with you. It's absolutely our pleasure, Debbie. And, you know, soon as we heard the news about um, the really tragic and, and very premature death of Sinead O'Connor's son, my first thought was we, we need to talk to Debbie at Ollie about what we need to say and do about this because I'm sure other parents feel like I do which is a little bit of fear trepidation I don't know how to talk about this subject should I hide the news from my daughter or son will hearing about it inspire them and and so thanks a million for joining us and on such short notice to talk to us about this incredibly sensitive but important issue so we all heard the news about Sinead O'Connor's son. And um, can you talk to our parents about this incident and how we should manage talk or what we should do about this kind of news? Thank you. Thank you so much for that important question. And and for anyone listening today that was affected by that news, please, our, our thoughts go out to you and our condolences. It is a very disappointing situation to find that our news outlets report things in a way that is less than ideal. And uh, I think all our media outlets are, are 
have clear guidance on how to report things. And one of the things we know is that headlines, we must, you know, the headline has to be very sensitive. And and for whatever reason, there was so much reporting that shared within the headline the method. Now, it, it, it might seem quite a simple thing, just a short headline, X ends their life by whatever method it is. But the point is, that's a bit of education. That's just informed all your readers that this is a method that people choose to end their life. And the more we hear something, the more it it, it just invades our awareness and it becomes something sort of in our subconscious. Oh, if people want to end their lives, this is a method they can use. So this is something that little charities like like Ollie um, and those big juggernauts like Papyrus and the Samaritans, we are all fighting that battle for parents. We are speaking to people as much as we can. Last week, for instance, we wrote to every single university that delivers a journalism course and we offered free training to their students. We contacted every media outlet that that reported on this terrible, terrible, sad news, terribly sad news. And again, we, we said to them, you know, we would like to bring your your staff onto a training. So all that good work is being done. Great. So parents, what do we need to be aware of? So I just I just wanted to position that because there are things that are outside of our control. So what can we do? Well well first of all, you know, many of our children might not have a clue who this is or and might not have seen the newspaper. So you don't need to worry about it. But generally what we need to be aware of is that that very low level noise, that just background information that this particular method is the way someone killed themselves. I would not be suggesting to parents that they they sort of book an appointment with their child, you know, after dinner, I need to talk to you. If it's not something that you are aware that they've seen, um, and we're using, we're using this one example, but there will, sadly, there are very often uh, reports of, of suicide in the press. So it may be that although on this particular occasion, this isn't showing up as something within your family, it might be later on this year, it will be someone your child knows. It will be an actor, an author, a blogger, a gamer, somebody yeah. that is in your child's life, whether you realise it or not. So depending on the child's age, I think you will always want to maybe look for a, a more child-led approach, asking their child, you know, what, what do they know? What do they think about this? What do they think about suicide? Try and have really open conversation just to find out what they're thinking and also what their beliefs are around suicide. I've looked at a lot of organisations that are giving uh, information out online to parents, trusted organisations, and I would have to say it's a real mixed bag. Um, I don't agree with all the things um, that are said. Um, And so I would just say to all your listeners, you know, do not forget that there are there are many different opinions and yours is no less important. You are the expert in your family. Follow your gut, follow your intuition. Your child may be eight or 18, but you know their intellectual capacity. You know their emotional needs. So you are probably best placed to, to work out what should happen and what should be said. But so with that in mind, do try and just have an open conversation about how they're what their thoughts are around it, you will be surprised. So many people uh, still feel that suicide, for instance, is a mental illness or is indicative of one. It's one of the things that Ollie works really hard 
to to eliminate that kind of or educate around that. Now, a lot of the guidance I've seen online um, has said, particularly with younger children, speak to them about that the person who's been reported in the media as being ill. They had an illness. They had a disease in their brain. Okay. For anyone just listening now who maybe just caught that bit, I'm not saying that's what you say. I actually think that's hideous. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure that I would agree with that at all because it feeds into this, this myth and, and, and it's not very helpful. So if you've told a younger child that there's, this person has a disease in the brain, well, the logic behind that is, well, anyone can get a disease. The next question for some of your children will be, well, how do I make sure I don't get that disease? What happens if I do? So I don't think that's a useful thing to say at all. However, you will, if any of your listeners go online, they'll see lots and lots of organisations suggesting that's that's useful. And I, I would say, please think about that very carefully. What I do agree with a lot of other people, however, is that you let the conversation be led by your child. You find out what their thoughts are and, and then go from there. Brilliant. Debbie, I, I, that's, as always, incredibly valuable information. So what my, my take from it, correct me if I'm wrong, is don't trust necessarily the media coverage to be the basis for any conversation with your child. Journalists sometimes get it wrong, but you shouldn't bury it. Suss out of your child. It, it knows about the issue. And if have open, open conversations, wide open questions led by your child, but you're not suggesting that we try and hide this kind of news from our children. Well, you know, I don't think it needs to be dinner conversation. Yeah. It's not something that, that is in any way on your child's radar. I don't personally see the benefit. However, if you're, the thing is, suicide is something that is talked about widely. It is still quite rare. But in the UK, we probably have one child suicide every day. So it is spoken about a lot and it can seem to be, you know, each each death is a tragedy. Each death is an absolute tragedy. But I just want to put in perspective, it, it, it's we can scare ourselves that, it, that it's uh, happening everywhere. And, and that's not exactly true. So we shouldn't not talk about it. So this is a really interesting point. Thank you so much. It's such an important question because there are a lot of people that, that will are very vocal and feel very strongly that we do need to talk about these things and bring some awareness, shine a light on things. But I think for depending on your child, your family, we don't want to put something on their radar that wasn't there at all and that they're not being impacted by in any way. However, you know, it may be something that you're concerned about or you're aware that within your community that there has been a loss by suicide and it is something that you want to check in with your child about. But maybe that is it, just very gently. It's a little sort of like taking the temperature. What are their thoughts on this? What's been the discussion? What do they know? What do they think about this? You know, in the same way that we were just talking about, let it be led by them and you're going to have to use your intuition as to whether you feel that they're being open with you or whether you think, actually, I do need to unpack this a little bit more for my child. Look, we we have public health messages. We see things on all our social media. These are all done with good intention, but it means people are being exposed, perhaps in a very peripheral way, When I, and, and our children are too. So 
you might feel that you do need to have this discussion. And as I say, check in with them. What are their thoughts? We don't want to avoid conversations because they're tough. But if your child isn't effective, we, we don't really need to have a conversation about something that isn't in their life, just because at some point it might be. Now, look, what I would say, what are the things we might want to do ahead of any tragedy? And I would advise any family where, to look at as much as possible, how can you create environments where it's safe for children to fail and make mistakes? Ideally, we want our children you know, these are the conversations that I feel are going to be most useful. We want our children to learn and reflect, to to problem solve, to be able to find solutions for the things that didn't work out. Yes, it's awfully sad that you didn't get picked for the team or you're not in the school play or whatever it is that didn't work out that they really hoped would. And what about the things that actually went wrong because they did something that impacted someone else. So let's learn how to take responsibility for our actions. Let's learn how to apologise, to make repair, to take ownership for our choices. Now, look, all these things are really valid because a little bit further down the line where there are issues within their friendship group or for them personally, knowing how to problem solve is going to support them much better in everything around suicide supporting their friends and supporting themselves not to come to that place themselves. And that's ultimately, I think, what we're talking about. It's not, why would we talk about this? To protect our child from being in that position themselves at some point. Absolutely. The language we use is so, so important. So what I would also like to just highlight for your listeners, this is just a bit of a list that we've we've created at Ollie, but there are certain words that are used by professionals and just out there generally. So you you may be someone who thinks this, um, you may be somebody who's heard other people talking about suicide being selfish. So if we're if we're exposing our children to this idea that suicide is selfish, I just want people to think through what are the consequences of that. Because if your child or someone they know finds themselves in a position, God forbid, where they are feeling like life is very very difficult and challenging and they're not sure they can continue on the knowledge that they the community thinks it's selfish how likely is that that they'll reach out for help yeah when we talk about attention seeking you know if, if, if again in our family in our friendship groups or if our children are hearing adults talk about oh that one's they're just so attention seeking we never say that with compassion, do we? No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Attention seeking is usually said as a very, is is like a negative, isn't it? So yeah. if you find yourself saying that or hearing someone else say that, try and flip it around. Okay, that person's seeking attention. That's what we want. We're asking. All our media is full of things that say, reach out, ask twice, do talk, don't, you know, just don't be afraid to reach out and talk. Well, if they're going to be met with somebody who thinks they're attention seeking and selfish for thinking about suicide, they're not going to want to talk, are they? No. And and of course, reaching out is, is critical. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, look, I just want to put a few other words on this, this sort of language question mark list, because we see these used professionally as well. So many parents might feel that it's okay to use. So again, the media should not use terms like commit suicide. Commit comes from 
the time when, unbelievably, suicide was illegal. It, it's actually not been illegal in the UK or in England since 1961. And that also is born out of a time when and, and for many religions, it still is considered a mortal sin. So commit is a very difficult word. But but what we advise and, and what all media outlets are advised is to just use language very simply. Somebody died by suicide. They took their life. Some of the other words that, again, we, we see in a more professional capacity is a failed attempt and a successful attempt. I think you only have to stop for a second to realise that saying, so somebody who has attempted to end their life, and thank goodness they're still here, if we term it a failed attempt, I'm sure your listeners can see how that that's very confusing. It's also suggestive of trying again, you know, which I, I mean, really, yeah, what you're saying makes so much sense, Debbie, and I hadn't thought about it. Yeah, and so some of the other words that you might, want to be aware of is successful attempt. I mean, goodness me, what yeah. is successful about ending your life? Yeah. And then we also have terms like completed. That That's one that just personally gets under my skin. Uh, yeah. it's, it's almost like it's a, a level in a game. They completed their life. And things also like deliberate self-harm. Um, these are all parts of this that builds a story. And when our young people hear these terms, it just creates a very mixed and very wrong attitude towards suicide and reaching out for help, which is the thing we want to definitely encourage people to do. So look, let me tell you about some of the things you could say. Yeah. So attention seeking, I get, I get it. You know, if you've sat up all night with your friend and then next weekend they're ringing you and they're, they're in exactly the same position and they've not actioned all the incredible advice that you gave them, it's annoying. I get that, but this isn't about you. It's about them. Yeah. And they're seeking attention. They need support. They're, they may be seeking attachment. Um, and I'm now referencing attachment theory. So yeah, let's, let's not talk about people attention seeking. Let's see it as a positive. They're doing what we want them to do. They're reaching out and asking for help. And if they haven't taken your advice, there will be reasons why. Euphemisms. You're not thinking of things like stupid, are you? We, we often say that in love, in compassion, um, because we're scared that we might put an idea in someone's head. And, and this is the crux, really, of what we're talking about, because suicide is a very complicated field. And there are certain things that will be true in one scenario and not true in another. So if I'm talking directly with you or you're talking to me, Lydia, yeah. um, you asking me, is it that bad, Debbie, that you're thinking of ending your life? That is a reasonable, compassionate question. But to put it in a headline or to yeah. say something en masse, and, and that's the issue with these, these headlines, we don't know who's reading them. We don't mm. know how that will impact them. And we don't know what support is in place for that person. It's the reason why Ollie will not go into a school and give an assembly about suicide. We'll talk about goal setting. We'll talk about all sorts of things about resilience and problem solving. We'll talk about all sorts of things, but we will not talk en masse to a group of people that we're, we don't know what's going on for them. Because we're all individuals and everybody absorbs information differently and every child will take their own 
version of that. So I, I, I know I think it's I think it's prudent and very very responsible of the Ali Foundation not to do that. You remind me of a young man. He was around sixteen or seventeen, and he came onto a mental health first aid course that we were running. And during that course, there's a section where we look at depression, and you could see he had an epiphany. He was in some sort of state of shock almost. And and he shared with the group, he said, I thought that if you were depressed, that was it. That was like a life sentence. You would always be depressed. Now, some of those online advice pages that I spoke about earlier that talk about mentioning suicide as if the person had a disease in their mind. This is all part of that same conversation. I read another one this morning that said they were depressed and they didn't get the help they need and it's a disease of the mind and, and, and sadly they died. How horrific for that person hearing that message who may sometime later in their life have a, have a period of depression or, or have someone in their life with depression, if somewhere in their subconscious they believe that the possibility is then that I could I could die or they could die, and yeah. this is a terminal illness. We have to be so careful with the messages we're giving our young people, and we our language really changes what they hear. So instead of things like commit, successful, completed, when we talk about death by suicide, let's say that they died by suicide, they took their life. And instead of these euphemisms like, you're not thinking of doing something stupid. We want them to use their words and communicate with us. So let's use ours. Is it that bad that you're thinking about suicide? Is it that bad that you just don't want to wake up tomorrow? Are you considering ending your life? Or as the wonderful local GP, Dr. Alison Cowan, who, who runs the teenage, uh, I think it's, it's still the only teenage clinic out of Parkbury House in St. Albans. She will sometimes use or, or has suggested to us that a useful way of talking is to use a third person and to use this third person and say, you know, I, I know somebody who went through this or I've seen in others who've gone through something similar that they've struggled, they've really had a difficult time with it. And and so I need to ask you, are things that bad? It's a bit of a longer, a longer conversation, I know. Yeah. But it's clearer than you're not thinking of doing something stupid. Because yeah. if we unpack the language behind that or the logic rather behind that language we're suggesting that suicide is stupid and you're stupid for thinking about it and I don't think that would elicit a very authentic compassionate conversation and most importantly it 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 won't achieve anything it won't achieve the goal and it doesn't matter how well-intentioned it is the most important thing is that you can use delicate careful language to get the young person to just reevaluate re- rethink you know so i mean incredibly useful examples there debbie sorry i think i i, I crossed over you wanted to say something uh, not at all well th- what i was going to say was that our language helps reinforce stigma which is so pervasive yeah. and it's it's actually hugely hugely cited by young people younger adults as a reason why they wouldn't ask for help because they believe all sorts of things all sorts of things like i can't be helped i'm stupid i'm taking up time just be aware of our language and make it 
possible for our young people to ask for help. Now, I, what I was going to say was if we're thinking about language, your, your listeners who are a savvy bunch, so they don't need me to tell them this, but, but just to remind ourselves that every generation has its own slang and there are all sorts of words, phrases that you might hear or see on a social media thread and they have a different meaning. So things like catching the bus, to kick the chair, making yourself taller. These are all references to suicide. I had no idea. I want to go to a concert. This is how much chapstick I have left. These are all references. Now, I've been using these terms for quite, or sharing these terms with parents for a number of months. They may have changed again because you know, that's that's the nature of, of our language, isn't it? We change it all the time and yeah. it, 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 it helps with identification. But um, yeah, just be aware that some of the things you might hear or read might be suggesting something different. And what I would love to do, and I think I've, I've mentioned this before when I've come on, please, 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 to all your listeners, look at the incredible charity set up by Alice Hendry, who's been on your show, Ripple, because you can download Ripple. It is a disruption, an AI tool. You can put it on every device in your household and it is free for parents, free for families. Um, and it, it if words are used, if searches are used, because how do we all get information? Oh my goodness, I wanted to check how to, what the recipe was for pancakes the other day. I didn't bother to look it up in a book. I just went straight onto, you know, onto the internet. Yeah. That's where we get all our information. Indeed. Well, that's also where people work out how to kill themselves. So the Ripple tool is this uh, disruption tool um, and it will very much hopefully reduce those kind of searches. It won't stop the searches, but anyone making that search will be supported to, to get the support that they need. So um, I, I would highly recommend that to everyone. Thanks for flagging that up, Debbie. I mean, it's it's a perfect way to round up our conversation by tooling parents up with how important language is what to avoid, what what way, what language to use. And also Alice's tool that is really, I mean, she, it is really a fantastic way to to protect your home. Um, and for listeners who are tuning in, it's it's actually spelled or semicolon double P L E if you're looking it up. And um I'd strongly recommend every parent put it indeed on every device in their home. To mitigate this risk. Just to add, Lydia, that that device is available to schools, universities, and also businesses. You know, so if you're a parent that works in an organisation, again, you can put in that layer of protection for your staff, for your colleagues. And great news, Leicester University, I think, took it up yeah. this week, which yeah. is which is great news. So well, well done to Leicester University for um, for taking that opportunity. And I hope parents who go, please have a look at the website. Obviously, first and foremost, go to the Ollie Foundation website. Then please go to Ripple, download the tool on all your devices. Talk to your school. Talk to your, you know, your your children's universities, and and try and encourage this tool to be spread as as wide and broadly as possible. Amazing. So for anybody who doesn't, you can just Google the Ollie Foundation. But just in case, Debbie, that doesn't work, would you mind just giving us the website? Yes. So www.theolliefoundation.org. Uh, we have a calendar on our website that shows all the talks, events 
uh, well, at most of the talks, events and training that we have available. And we work so hard to fundraise to ensure that parents can always access um, a free funding to attend any of our open sessions and always for students for our open sessions as well. So please come along. And uh, yeah, we have all sorts of things from well-being all the way through to suicide intervention and prevention training. And we'd love to see you on one of our sessions soon. Debbie Roberts, CEO of the Ollie Foundation. Thank you, doesn't cover it. It's honestly just such an absolute pleasure to have you on the show and, and to hear your incredibly valuable advice. Thank you. Thank you, Lydia. So we're coming towards the end of our show this evening. And thanks a million for joining us on The Parents Show. Thanks to Claire Healy from Raring to Go, to Debbie Roberts from the Ollie Foundation. And I want to take a little bit of time just to talk about the upcoming shows. For the whole of February this year, we're dedicating The Parents Show to a topic that has come up regularly and consistently. And we've been asked by listeners to to really focus on, and that is ADHD and what was formerly known as ADD. So we're going to, in the process of the next four weeks, speak to Dr. Abby Russell, who is an expert on ADHD and autism, and she will be joining us in the coming weeks in her own right and and discussing with parents about the issues that are raised by ADHD. We're also going to talk to a fantastic local organization, Advance, ADD Vance, talk to them about the support that they provide for parents and for children who have ADHD and autism. So the reason why, as I said, is that parents have come and got in touch with us and asked us to focus on this topic because they need support, because perhaps their children need support, or they'd like to know how to talk to their school about these issues. But it's also partly because the parents who've got in touch with us would also like there to be a wider understanding about ADHD and ADD and what parents of children who don't have neurodivergent needs can do to help ease the sometimes isolation and ostracization of children who have ADHD in primary and secondary school. So there really is something for everybody. Please tune in. Every week is going to be a different guest, different topic, different angle to this really important issue that affects all our children and our whole community because of the the repercussions of it. So please tune in and send your questions. If there's any parents listening in who'd like to appear on the show, we'd love to hear from you and contact us through Facebook. Thanks again for joining us on The Parents Show. It's a pleasure as always to have you with us and have a lovely evening.